1: This is kevin folger and this is labors in the harvest podcast we want to thank you for joining us today for this particular episode of labors in the harvest and uh, most of you are aware that we've changed our format a little bit in the last uh oh two or three months as we've jumped back into recording and instead of breaking our segments up over a period of time we're now dropping them all at once and so it just, you can listen to it, of course, at that point, um, according to your leisure. If you can listen to all of it, that's great. If you want to break it up in your drives or when you're doing some work around the house or mowing the grass, however that works for you, that's wonderful. And, and uh, we're just grateful to be able to record these episodes, have conversations with people that God has called into ministry. That's why we call it Labors and Harvests, because these are folks that are laboring for the Lord in the various harvest fields of life. And our whole purpose, of course, is just to help you to understand um I think most of us would understand, but some people don't necessarily understand that God just takes common, ordinary people, calls them into his work, and then gifts us and enables us to do the work he's called us to do. I love Philippians 2.13, where the Bible says, It is God who worketh in you both to will, to want to, and to do of his good pleasure. So, again, we're grateful for God's blessing in that regard. Well, it's a great joy for me. I've had the last few days. My wife and I, in our travels, have found ourselves, you know, not a very big place. It's called Lattimore, North Carolina, and it's the home of Ambassador Baptist College, and I've been here for a couple of days, uh, teaching a few classes and preaching in in chapel, and I came at the invitation of of a friend that I met many, many years ago, Dr. Alton Beal, who is serving now as the uh, president of Ambassador Baptist College here in Lattimore, and uh, of course, he's the second president of the school's history. Dr. Ron Comfort founded the school, I think it was 1989, and uh, the School has continued to be blessed, and uh, God is using it in the lives of young people who are training to be laborers for the Lord in His harvest. So, Dr. Beal, thank you so much for joining me in this podcast. We appreciate the fact that you've taken some time out of your busy schedule to sit down and have a conversation.
2: Well, I'm glad to have a part of it, and we really have enjoyed having you and your wife on campus these last uh, couple of days. And. you. Uh... It's good to be able to reconnect and to see what the lord's doing in your own ministry these days too yes sir i think
1: and as i recall when i first met you uh, you were a college student here in the the college and uh, or maybe had just graduated and working on the faculty and st- staff and and uh, god had called you specifically and i think into the field of evangelism and so you graduate from the college with an evangelism major so let's just talk a little bit about the journey that god has brought you on in ministry and how you've ended up in this particular office as the president of Ambassador Baptist College. I'm sure probably when you started college back many, many years ago, that was not something that was on your mind or on your heart, but obviously God worked and and made that uh, a reality. So let's talk about your your beginnings. You're a North Carolina boy, so tell the folks where you were born and raised. Yeah, I was
2: born and raised near Yadkinville, North Carolina, and uh, pretty much have been raised in the rural part of North Carolina all of my childhood and teenage years. I was not uh, reared in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, my dad drank very heavily. The household was just filled with a lot of chaos, and uh, things started to change, though, when I was about 10 years old. I started riding a church van to, uh, there was an area church that uh, ran two or three church vans every Sunday, and some men showed up in my front yard on a Sunday, or excuse me, a Saturday, and, first words out of their mouths when they came out of the van was, you don't go to church anywhere, do you? And I was like, (laughs) no, I don't. And they said, well, we didn't think you did because we saw you playing out in the yard last Sunday. And uh, they said, would you like to come to church? And for me, uh, I was an only child. And to be honest, the reason I wanted to come to church was so I could be with other kids. And Mm. I said, sure, I would love to come. And so they talked to my... Uh, mom and dad and I started riding the church van to church and after two years of hearing the gospel steadily in junior church and other services uh, it was on a Sunday afternoon uh, in my bedroom that I took out a gospel track from the church it was in my nightstand and uh, that Sunday afternoon I called on the Lord to be my savior and uh, he saved me and then I entered my teenage years and uh, it was a real time of uh, learning and struggle. I was raised in the public school system, didn't really have much reinforcement at home, but every time I came to church on Sunday, uh, it was just like a, a haven of rest. And uh, God used the, that church in a great way in my life. And so when I was 15 years old, I surrendered my life to the Lord. I, I It was a Thursday night vacation Bible school type service that uh, God really dealt my heart about just Lord whatever you want me to do I'll do it Mm -hmm. and I often tell people that's the second greatest decision that I ever made in my life I mean even even more than marrying my wife Mm -hmm. and you know people look at me and they're like what do you mean salvation obviously was the best thing but I'm convinced if as a 15 year old I had never said Lord whatever you want that's what I want Mm -hmm. I would have missed my wife and everything else sure and so Uh, Two years later as a senior in public high school uh, and on a Wednesday I surrendered to preach the gospel. Hmm. And no sooner than that happened my pastor told me, he said, you know, a call to the ministry is a call to prepare and you know you need to be praying about you know what you're going to do in your preparation and one month later he let me preach a sunday night service or a wednesday night service i i have it in a vhs tape over there that i would never (laughs) let you watch because is you know our first sermons are quite uh you know interesting (laughs) yes they are but uh that started my journey i enrolled as a freshman at ambassador baptist college I, i was really attracted to the school because of the heavy bible concentration the emphasis on preaching and uh, graduated in 1996, and uh, it wasn't until about my junior year that I really felt like evangelism, for sure, uh, was what God wanted me to do. And that came after traveling and pr- being able to preach and you know do the work of an yeah. evangelist a little bit. And it was during that time I really sensed that's what God wanted me to do.
1: Well, let's let's back up a little bit and let's talk a little bit about the that journey. I mean, obviously, some some men, uh, you know, had a burden for a. A bus route, or you can call it a bus route, van route, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's uh, you know we're, we're kind of losing a little bit of that in our culture today among our churches. Um, you know, there's still churches that have buses and, and vans. They run them into into their areas to pick up boys and girls, teenagers, uh, sometimes adults. Um, you know, I remember in the heyday growing up at Cleveland Baptist Church. I remember the heyday? You know, we'd sometimes bring in six, seven hundred kids uh, on buses. Those days are pretty much over with, um, but how important was that in your life? I mean, obviously, it's the where God began this this work in your life to bring you to a point of salvation. But can you can you think of those those men and the investment they made in your life? You know.
2: Oh, without a doubt, I will be eternally grateful for common, ordinary, blue collar Christians that gave their weekends after a hard week of work Mm -hmm. to visit kids on Saturday and pick us up on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I will forever be grateful to C.W. Plowman, who worked in a warehouse 50 plus hours a week probably, uh, would pick me up on Sundays. And uh, Gene Thacker, uh, a man who always had a smile, was always glad to see you. Mm with a genuine smile, not a Joel Olstein right, smile, right, right. you know. <laughs> I mean, but just, just genuine. Uh, Harold England, uh, he's with the Lord now, but Harold England taught me so many junior church lessons, and this was before uh, Keynote and PowerPoint. This is like flannel graph. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many things that I learned under him, and then, I mean, these men, they they all in Charles Feltz. Charles Feltz was a very quiet individual, you know, some people think, well, in order to serve the Lord and to make an impact, you really have to uh, be vivacious. And Charles Phelps was quiet. He was like the guy who would always be praying if something's going on or somebody else is talking. And he was a great encouragement to me in those days. Those four men and many others the Lord used in my life. So
1: so just for the sake of our our listeners, it's important to emphasize the fact that sometimes, obviously, we people we normally have on this podcast are people who are all full-time ministry. But everybody has a ministry. Everybody can be involved in doing something to make an impact for the Lord. And so I look at a man now who's sitting in a college president president's office, and you're here because people invested in your life. So the, the, the thought that comes to me is that to our listeners, regardless of where they are in their journey and what they're doing in their local church, is to find somebody and pour their life into them and, and help develop them which would, would you concur with that thought
2: definitely and that's discipleship right and you know a lot of times we talk about the great commission mm-hmm. sometimes people only talk about the evangelism side of mm-hmm. it and for me i got to experience the full circle right in that church i was reached with the gospel and these men who really had nothing to gain by having me tag along and, and i'll tell you the greatest influence during those years was my the pastor of mm-hmm. the church mm-hmm. Uh, he saw in me something before I saw it. Mm-hmm. And he would keep me in his hip pocket at times, mm-hmm. and I wondered why. Mm-hmm. But he had a real knack, you know, for discipleship and just helping mentor and bring people along. And uh, long, but I would have never made it to Bible college had people in the local church not invested in me the way Amen. they did.
1: So would it be fair to say that the church that reached you with the gospel— would not be a mega church. It would be just a, a smaller church in a smaller rural area. Correct? You know, it
2: is it is located in a rural area, but at the time that I started, they probably had about 200 people. That's good for a, it's a good size Which is a good size. A, yeah. By the time I left for Bible College, the church was probably up to 500. Really? Yeah, and you know, it's sort of like uh, Gospel Light in Walkertown, mm-hmm. Bobby Robertson, right. Walkertown. That's right. not like Mega City, right. but yeah. you know. Well, it was the same type of thing in our area. That church grew greatly during that time, but it still, you know, it still had a had a, a, a small, small town, field. small town
1: yeah. feel to it. Right. So the the man who was your pastor, his his name is
2: Alan Barker, Barker. and uh, he travels in evangelism now. Really? He's in his seventies. Wow. But uh, I owe the world to Alan Barker, and he's still a man that I call. I was in a meeting a few weeks ago, and I was a little bit perplexed. Uh, I needed some wisdom, and I called up Brother Barker. And uh, he's, most of his ministry has been spent in the pastorate. He did do some missions work. Um, but uh, you know, he, he before I ever came to Ambassador and took a personal evangelism class, that man taught me how to be a soul winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he taught me about preaching by his example and things that he would say. I felt like I was light years ahead when I came to Bible college because here was a man who spent time with me and helped bring me along.
1: Okay, so those teenage years, was the church really that was a stability in your life that yes. really helped you? What about your parents? Did they ever get saved? Did they ever come to the My Lord?
2: mom uh, actually was saved, but because of the turbulence in my home life, uh, she was bitter for a number of years. It wasn't until my dad passed away when I was 15, mm that my mom got right with the Lord and got got back into church and attended the church that okay. that had picked me up. My dad, uh, after I got saved, I wanted to see him saved. And when I would try to talk to him about the gospel, he would push me away. Mm-hmm. And so my home pastor came in a visit one night, spent some time with him, brought my dad to the point of decision. My dad said, you know, I'm just not ready yet. And it was about six months later... That my dad passed away, he basically drank himself in the mm-hmm. grave. Mm-hmm. But I do tell people this: I said, although uh, you know, I I really don't have any assurances that my dad trusted Christ. I do know within the last couple months of his life, it was the first time ever I had seen him pick up a New Testament of his own volition and read it. Mm-hmm. And I know I have no doubt that God was working in his heart right. as to what He did with it. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. so.
1: So that had to be a pretty traumatic event for you. At the age of 15, your, your dad passed away. Was that a prolonged situation where he got sick and gradually passed away? he, or did he, he just dropped dead one day? He
2: was disabled okay. uh, by emphysema and then also heavy drinking. Mm-hmm. But the, the manner of his passing, it was rather sudden. My dad was 57 wow. when I passed away, or when he passed away. And I uh, came home from church on a Wednesday night. Uh, just like I normally would be at church the van dropped me off and 30 minutes after I got home my dad had passed off into eternity however that event was the first of several that God used to bring me to that point of surrender as a 15 mm. year old boy that summer God was getting my attention
1: Wow. okay so that's one there's some other things that God used to kind of really get your attention if you're free to talk about that? Yeah,
2: sure. You know, I, I, I will tell you the, uh, the the power of His Word is something that uh, I was exposed to a good diet of preaching. Uh, Brother Barker is, is a great Southern preacher, passionate and uh, would preach the Bible. And so I'm getting this steady diet of preaching. And this is one of these things that God would eventually use to confirm his, my call to preach. I was beginning to be drawn to that where, you know, not only, boy, that was a great message, but you start sensing inside, boy, I I really, I really would like to do something (laughs) like that. You know, that was a great, that was a great influence. There was also a pocket of friends, you know, in the church. It's the fellowship that you have is very important. And I mean, basically in the public school, I was able to gravitate towards some and find some common ground, but there were probably Two or three young men that in my teenage years at church I just bonded with, and they were great encouragement to me.
1: Okay. So you're now you get to that point you're saved you're sur- you've surrendered to, to ministry, and at that point in in your life, I, I perhaps there are maybe three or four different Bible colleges, maybe maybe a little bit more that you could choose from. So how did God bring ambassador and its its emphasis and you're, you're, with a desire place upon your heart to, to attend here
2: well it's interesting because one of my first re- reactions after that was you know pastor what do you think mm-hmm. you know and the pastor gave me a couple of recommendations and then I had a youth pastor at the time who uh, rec- and so there, there were probably there were three places that I visited and there were probably four or five that were recommended to me mm-hmm. unfortunately uh, only probably three of those would my pastor recommend today, just mm-hmm. because of how places sure. have changed through sure. the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ambassador was actually the, the the littlest known quantity of all of them. Mm-hmm. The others we knew about. And my pastor said one day, he said, "Let's go to this little Bible college down at Shelby." I didn't know who Ron Comfort was. I didn't know uh, I didn't know a lot. And uh, I remember showing up that day. I sat in the classes, and I still remember Charles King was preaching a message that day in chapel, Mm -hmm. and the title of the message was saying a good word, and he was preaching a message about how that after Saul's death, instead of cussing Saul, King David said how beautiful and how lovely Mm -hmm. and pleasant Mm -hmm. were Jonathan and Saul. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was just, I sat and I heard that message. I was like, that's that's tremendous. And when I left the campus that day, I knew, I knew where I needed to be. So mm-hmm. the Lord used several of those things to direct me. But I, there were several good places I was pointed to. So
1: at that point, the college was fairly young. Were they still meeting in Shelby? Yes, we would have in...
2: been uh, about four years at that point into the Shelby campus, and student body was uh, the student, school started with thirty-seven students and eighty-nine. So by this time, it's it's uh, ninety-two in the spring. So mm-hmm. you know, it was in its very. Uh, Young stage and so little did I know that God would allow me even though years later I'd I'd be the president I'd be able to see the school in that young form Mm -hmm. and really catch the spirit of it
1: So again, you know as I'm I'm around the Bible colleges that I obviously have the opportunity to um, Be exposed to and have some some perhaps a little bit of influence on it seems like every one of the Bible colleges have a, a unique kind of emphasis in which they are emphasizing and or maybe just the, the spirit of the leader. So uh, there's no question that there is a, uh, it is a Bible college, so there's a strong emphasis on the Bible. There's a lot of emphasis on scripture memorization here at, at Ambassador. Um, and I think that comes from uh, originally from Brother Comfort and, and his, uh, his desire. Part of, uh, obviously, Brother Comfort's a powerful preacher, been in evangelism for, for years. How, how long has he been in evangelism? It's he's,
2: over 60 now. 60. So, mm-hmm. And
1: he's going to be 84, is that correct? Be 84 next and, week. And he's still living, still is the president emeritus of, of the college, still has some influence here. Um, but uh, if I remember right, he kind of was going to lose his vision. And as part of that...
2: Yeah, in the early part of his ministry, he was probably in his 20s. Uh, going into his 30s... His, uh, I couldn't tell you the exact name of the disease, mm-hmm. but basically it dealt with the cornea of the eye. And uh, there was a season where he was losing his sight and they were trying more experimental things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he told me about these huge contact lenses mm-hmm. that he would have to wear right. that were so uncomfortable. But the interesting thing is, as Brother Comfort would tell you today, he can see better today than he could see in his mm-hmm. 30s. But his vision was preserved by two corneal transplants. Mm-hmm. And uh, but brother comfort would also be quick to tell people they'd say is that what drove you to memorizing the scripture and he's quick to say i was memorizing it before i lost my sight granted you know you do gain some motivation to memorize more so yeah so
1: what makes you know uh, well let's let's just talk about a little bit more about your journey and then we'll come Mm -hmm. back and talk a little bit about the college itself so you land here in 1992
2: 92 i came as a student and graduated in 1996 Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I majored in Bible and evangelism here at the college. Every student in a four year program is a Bible major with 60 plus hours of Bible. And then it's like a double major, pastoral studies, evangelism, missions, music, youth ministries. And so I graduated in 96. Brother Comfort asked me to stay on staff and work in the, as like a dormitory supervisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Comfort, because of his calling as an evangelist, and that's what God had called me to do, uh, you know some people would say why'd you stay because i knew that i'd have the opportunity to work alongside of a very seasoned evangelist mm-hmm. and it would be just a year later that i'd actually start traveling in my own meetings while maintaining my staff position at the school and mm-hmm. before it's over with you know I've, I've done dozens of meetings with brother comfort and it was a great mentorship time
1: okay so the, the you had this great experience in in the classroom being exposed to uh, the teaching of the Bible, then you get this opportunity. Um, so, can you say that as you're as you're traveling, that the gift of uh, of the evangelist is something that you know God just really confirmed in your heart and your life? And, and and what are some things that you would say to somebody who's considering that you know?
2: You know, every year here at Ambassador, uh, even though a student is enrolled in a certain program, there are many of them that are like, I just am not sure. Mm-hmm and they ask me, they say, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And for instance, I tell somebody, if you're a missions major, take a missions trip, go on an internship, sure. and one of two things is gonna happen, you're either gonna hate it or you're gonna love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few times do you go and do something where it's just like, meh, usually God uses that to, gra- and so for me, the, the, the thing for me was I did, not, I did not feel like I had the desire to be a pastor, I didn't feel called to missions, although I was ready to, you know, willing to go. Sure. But when I tasted of the work of the evangelist, and I'm not just talking about traveling, you know, right. I mean, sure. you travel. Yeah. <laughs> you, we, we both see, yeah, you know, travel's not as glorious I mean, as no, people no, make it no, out to be. sure not. <laughs> but when I tasted of that, and, you know, I knew I, I I knew, you know, Lord, this is what you've made me to do. And God can, God used exposure to that ministry. And that's why I think, I think every kid in a local church ought to go on a missions trip. They ought to serve in VBSs and other things, because when they get that exposure, God uses that Mm -hmm. to stir up that gift in them. No
1: question. Yeah. I, I truly believe, you know, parents sometimes are coddling their children today, trying to protect them. and. And, and I get it. I mean, there are certain things we need to protect our kids from, but they do need to be, you know, we need to push them a little bit and say, get into the work, get in a bus rug, you know, work in junior church, sing in the choir. You know, let's, let's serve the Lord. Let's not wait till we're an adult. You know, this is not all about fun and games for us. It's about, okay, developing a heart to serve the Lord. And uh, again, I think we're, we're lacking a little bit of that in some, some homes today. I know the home that I grew up in, that was just the expectation. You know, you're going to do something with your life you may not be a preacher, you may not be in ministry, but you know, you're going to serve the Lord and you need to learn how to do that now and not wait until you're an adult to figure it out, you know, so Mm -hmm. such a blessing. So let's talk a little bit about your wife, Michelle, and how God brought her into your life. Oh, it's
2: a wonderful story. (laughs) So during my teenage years, uh, I will admit I probably had girl on the brain and Hmm. surrendered my life to the Lord when I was 15. And I was like, well, you know, and I thought, Lord, would you please you know, bring me somebody across my path that wants to serve you? And I actually met my wife uh, before I surrendered to preach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had heard about this girl that went to this area of Christian school who was really sold out and really stood head and shoulders above her peers just because of a godly testimony. And I thought, man, I'd like to meet that girl. And it was, uh, it was a win- Friday night of a revival meeting that I saw her for the first time and there was a couple in my church that had her phone number and personal friends of the family. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to get to know this girl if she's really what she says she is and uh, so she had i just turned 16 she was 15 about to turn 16. so in high school we continued to get to know each other and then went off to college we but the thing and and when i surrendered to preach the gospel this is happening while we're talking Mm -hmm. and she didn't go running in the other direction Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact she was very supportive and encouraged Mm -hmm. by it and then we both went to ambassador and got married Mm -hmm. uh you know later so okay
1: So how long have you guys been married now?
0: Oh,
2: wow. It's been 27 years. Mm -hmm. And the Lord's blessed us with three children. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, before my wife contracted Lyme's disease, that's probably been about eight or nine years ago as when I'm traveling in meetings. As a matter of fact, we were at uh, Cleveland years ago Mm -hmm. Brother Comfort. You know, our Mm -hmm. families just uproot and go. And so I couldn't ask for... uh, a wife who's more supportive she's homeschooled our kids especially the first two for the vast majority of their education uh just picking up and going i mean with no complaint just just you know they i couldn't do what i do without her
1: amen yeah that's wonderful and uh so your uh your two boys are out of high school and uh, both of them still live here locally and they're in um in service not christian service but they're in service, one's a deputy sheriff, and one works in the fire department. Yes, yeah,
2: right? so yeah, they're both in in public service, and it's interesting. Both of them now see a side of life that uh, challenges them, uh, you know. And I do think it causes them to draw back on mm-hmm. some of the things, the, the things that they've learned. And they, you know, sometimes they really see the depravity of man.
1: Sure, yeah. I, there's no question that people are in, in that kind of um, service. <laughs> (laughs) CEASE THE WORST OF of HUMANITY, THERE'S NO QUESTION ABOUT IT, WHETHER IT'S A a CAR ACCIDENT AND IT'S BECAUSE Mm -hmm. OF DRUGS OR ALCOHOL OR IT'S A a SHOOTING OR DOMESTIC VIOLENCE, IT'S JUST TERRIBLE WHAT Mm -hmm. PEOPLE HAVE TO DEAL WITH AND YOU KNOW, JUST I, I SHAKE MY HEAD SOMETIMES AND REALIZE WHERE WE ARE AS A SOCIETY. But I'm grateful for people who are willing to put their life on the line to help mm-hmm. others. And so that's a blessing as well. And you have a daughter still at home.
2: Yes, she's a junior in high school now. And, you know, for all of my kids being raised in the college environment, and we talked about this a little bit at supper, mm-hmm. but uh, trying to keep them from growing up too quickly because they're always around people that are sure. older than they are. Sure,
1: so. yeah. All right. Well, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the college and its distinctiveness in just a moment. I also want our, our listeners to know that you also have a distinct uh, title that you wear. You are the the mayor of Lattimore.
2: Yes, yes, it's <laughs> interesting. Just the other day, I got an interview request from uh, somebody. And I'm, uh, Lattimore is a small town of 488 people. So people don't you know, get an idea that it's a metropolis. But I've been able to serve as the mayor. and uh, Really, I think this is my ninth term now. Mm-hmm. It's two-year terms. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was something I never saw. It came to me. The townspeople came to me and I really had to be persuaded of it by several people and then ultimately the Lord. And once I got peace about it, I was, I've been unopposed, but it's been a great, uh, opportunity not only to serve the community, but it opens doors of outreach. I'm, I've been in numerous homes, prayer council, you know, once people, you know, it's just an avenue to get to know people sure. and then they open up to you.
1: Sure. Well, and I think probably it helps with the, the relationship between the, the city and, and the college being in this community as well. Uh, you know, to know that the man who's head of the college is also the, the mayor of the city. So it, it, for our listeners, it's it, is, it, how much of a time issue is that? Is it that much?
2: There's a meeting once a month okay. that is, you know, that's something that I moderate. And, you know, because we're a small town, we have basically a town clerk and the town clerk is the neck that turns the head, right. mm-hmm. and then the mayor, and then you have three council members. Okay. So aside from the monthly meetings, there are occasional issues mm-hmm. that come up, but it's it's usually flexible enough that works around everything else I've got going. Mm-hmm. So yeah, That's good. Well,
1: so you, you let's just put it this way. your plate's pretty full. sure. <laughs> you also travel and do some meetings. so mm-hmm. how many meetings a year would you?: Yeah, it to? can
2: vary uh, between seventeen to 22 and I, I'm talking about multi-day meetings in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, about every Sunday between the college or my own ministry, I'm somewhere. Mm-hmm. Except for in the holiday season and such. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I tell people, they say, well, did you stop traveling as an evangelist? I said, no, I'm an evangelist. And I can't, if I stopped being an evangelist, I feel like I would stop being qualified to lead the school. Because uh, that's what I am. And so so I continue in that ministry. Okay.
1: So let's talk a little bit about Ambassador now. And, um, you know, the, the thing that... In your mind, um, what makes an ambassador unique or different than most other Bible colleges that are around?
2: You know, uh, I've spent countless hours with Ron Comfort, uh, who founded the school, and learning the distinctives of the college. You know, people asked him, why did you start it? And, you know, he'd be the first one to tell you, trust me, I would have never started it had God not called me because it was something that was so outside of his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But the distinctives that were true back in 1989 are true today. Uh, One is uh, being a Bible college, you would expect a Bible college to have a Bible emphasis. But what Brother Comfort saw was through the years, the more liberal arts oriented Bible colleges became, Mm -hmm. well, the less Bible they required. Mm -hmm. So for all of our students, we can tell you, tell them, We're going to take you from Genesis to Revelation, book by book. Now, not Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, but book by book in the classroom in the four years that you're here. Mm. Our faculty members are experienced. Uh, Amazingly enough, in Christian colleges uh, that are designed to train people for ministry, sometimes, I don't think they intend for this to happen, but you have somebody who's not really done a lot of the work. Right. They have degrees right? and they're teaching people how to do a work that they themselves have right. never done before. Mm-hmm. And so here at the college, the people who are teaching you are people who have done it for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about teaching in Bible college 20 years. Right. I'm talking about pastoring or an evangelism or missions, you know, uh, the, the experienced faculty. Mm-hmm. And then also it's a family atmosphere. You know, we have a student body that you know, is smaller in comparison to other places, but we have students from 29 states. This year, 10 foreign countries. Now, a number of missionary kids. You know, so the family atmosphere that we have, you know, everybody knows everybody by name you don't get lost in the crowd you know so those are just a few of the things so
1: you're at the point now in the in the life of the college where you have alumni whose children have come right yes so that's a unique and different experience oh it is area. this year
2: mm-hmm. i have guys who've come for their first year that were in the dorm when i was the dean of men <laughs> and you know it's interesting i was counseling with one young man just last week And 25 years ago, I counseled his father about the same exact subject. Wow, that's amazing. And both, you know, and it just humbled me. I said, wow, this is great, Lord, to see it.
1: Yeah, I tell people all the time, you know, long-term ministry, and I know God moves people at different points and junctures, but staying in a place long-term, there's just something about that. Getting to see the fruit of long-term ministry is just an amazing thing, you know. I was at Cleveland Baptist long enough, of course, you know, growing up there, but then in ministry for 41 years to see people, people have children. Those kids grow up, go through the school, get married, them have children, and then them grow up you know, and go through the ministry. Uh, just this last year in our, in our high school graduation, my granddaughter graduated from high school. She's a third generation Folger to Mm. graduate from that school. I was the first, my sons were the second, and now she's the third. So yeah, it's just, it's pretty amazing to have that long-term situation in a place and see God do something. So uh, the emphasis on on those things, it's it's a wonderful thing. So um, just If you would, just tell people a little bit about if there's an interest in checking out the college, how would they do that, that type of thing? Yeah,
2: you know, the greatest thing you can do is come visit the school, but you know, I know that's not always possible, but you know, we're located about an hour uh, west of Charlotte, North Carolina. And so, you know, we have people visit throughout the year and uh, that's always the best way, but they can go visit our website at ambassadors.edu and also, uh, you can find our chapel sermons at sermonaudio.com. If you look up Ambassador Baptist College, you'll find an archive of years mm-hmm. of chapel sermons, and sure. so that that really gives people an idea about the heartbeat of the college sure. as well.
1: Okay, very good. And uh, again, I, uh, you know, being on the campus, being around the students, uh, it's just a good atmosphere here. The, the young people are are you know they're a delight to be around and. Uh, you know, in the classes I've taught they seem like they're they're really listening and absorbing so that, that's in, in, uh, in, encouraging and uh, you know um, Shelby which is the kind of the town that's closest to uh, Lattimore uh, it's seven or eight miles away but it's fairly big enough so if somebody needs something they can they can uh, you know go there I've had a few issues I've been dealing with this week with my back and so I found a chiropractor yeah. in Shelby that's been a real help and blessing to me this week so I'm grateful for that but just so our listeners know you're not kind of isolated out in the middle of nowhere Right
2: so. we yeah you know you're you're right because even though our small town is 488 people Shelby is about 22,000 for a city which is uh, west of us, it's probably 18 to 20,000. So, mm, yeah. so we are near some civilization.
1: Yeah, and another thing I think that makes a, this college a little unique is that your students are not required to go to one particular independent Baptist church. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah,
2: I think one of the most misunderstood aspects about the college by people who just never been here is their understanding of our local church emphasis. Um, because we do not have a church here on campus, You know, they say, well, what do you do? Well, our students uh, have six weeks in the first part of the semester, they visit uh, independent Baptist churches in the area. We just had a cookout where we had 15 pastors come in our gym and the students for just an hour and a half, just mixed and mingled with them. And so now they're in the process of visiting and praying. And then then what happens is at the end of that six weeks, uh, they choose a church that they're gonna be in for the year. And, uh, as far as church membership goes, we tell our students now, listen, uh, that, you know, your home pastor and your parents are a great part of that discussion that you need to figure out. But I said, I will tell you this, if you're going to serve in a capacity in a local church and you're not a church member, I said, there are going to be some churches that, you know, uh, that limits you because they, the liability part. And so, but it's amazing every year, uh, our students settle into these churches and they have an opportunity to minister in a variety of capacities. Sure. Uh, there's a deaf ministry in Landrum, South Carolina, that one girl's absolutely blossoming. Mm. In uh, there's others that are running bus routes. There are others that are doing music ministry, youth groups, and these pastors would say, "We would give our right arm for these guys." And sure. so, and they're there every time the doors are open—Sunday morning, Sunday night, Amen. Wednesday night, soul winning and uh, they come out with a great understanding of local church ministry
1: how many of those independent baptist churches are in this area is like 20 some of them
2: yeah there's there's 20 there's 25 total and i would say probably 10 of those would be in a 45 minute radius and then the others would be another 30 minutes to 45 minutes outside of that so. so
1: some of this would be a little distance away the young person would have to either have a ride correct or somebody else that, yeah like to, a pocket uh, of students right. would yeah. go. okay very good. well I, I, I do want to thank you for uh, you know sitting down and spending some time with me and having this conversation. so if some some young man's listening and you know just said you know I'm, I'm not sure exactly what God has for me uh, I'm open to it. Uh, Just give a piece of advice as we're kind of concluding here today. What what did you tell like that? Well,
2: you know, i told a number of people through the years, and it's it's, it's a snippet within a verse that's commonly, we just tritely quote it. But, you know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. But here it is. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I tell them, you may not know but God said, if you'll acknowledge him mm-hmm. in everything, yeah. he made you a promise. Amen. And claim that promise and keep a listening ear.
1: Well, I think it was Hudson Taylor who made the statement, God only gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's uh, quite a thought when you think, realize that the God of heaven has a plan for my life, and I'm not going to be able to discover that on my own. I have to yield to him and and to understand the fact that, you know, he cares about me. He's made me. He's... He, he's gifted me, uh, and again, if He's called us, He will equip us to do what he's, he's given us to do. I'd be the first to tell somebody, you know, when I was a teenager, I never thought that I'd be doing what I'm doing today or <laughs> yeah. have done uh, what I've been able to do. And I know it's not me. It's because God's been, certainly been good and gracious in my life. So we sure appreciate that. Well, to our listeners, once again, we say thank you for taking some time to listen into our conversation as we've talked about being a labor in the Lord's harvest. And God, as you can tell, uses people from every background, every stripe. Um, people don't necessarily have to be born into a Christian home or grow up in a Christian environment. God reaches down and saves our soul and puts us uh, a right and then begins the work of uh, progressing in our life in discipleship and mentoring and preparing. And, of course, it's a process. There's no there's no uh, end result without a process that God works through to get us there. So we want to thank you again for taking time today to listen to labors in the harvest podcast we hope that you'll join us again next month when we'll drop another one of our conversations with those that we have met along life's way who are laboring for the lord and so until then uh, we want to say thanks and we pray that god will bless your life if we can help you please don't hesitate to reach out to us you can reach out to us through my website kevinfolger.com or you reach out to me by way of email kfolger at clevelandbaptist.org is an email address you can reach out to me and so either one of those areas is a way that you can get a message to us we'd be glad to speak to you if we can help you. And once again we want to encourage you to, if you're looking for a Bible college to at least to consider the fact that Ambassador Baptist College is a place that God could use in your life to develop you into his work for the Lord in this harvest. So until the next time may God bless you and you have
0: a great day. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. (laughs)